0: Um what I'm excited about for this Advent season is just the number of different things that we are doing as a church body not only to reach out And to love others during the season, but also to take care of ourselves. And I just want to kind of highlight it for you. If you did not pick up one of the flyers on your way in or see the big poster out in the lobby, grab one, take it with you. They're right there, too, if you want one. Um, But it's just showing, and you can put the dates on your calendar, all the different things that are happening. We have outreach items, which are things like what we just talked about. Dennis talked about Hannah's Haven coming next week. They're going to be... um, uh, dancing for us, but also we're going to get to give back to them and help them out with some Christmas gifts. Um, I'm really excited about Christmas Sunday. That's going to be um, next not next week, but the 11th, and that's going to be the Children's Sunday, where we're going to have the children's uh, play happening, we're going to have the teens also uh, doing their bake sale, so we're really focusing on that as being a Christmas Sunday, really focused on that, um, and we're going to, of course, do our donut giveaway on uh, Christmas Eve, where we give away donuts to those that are working on Christmas Eve, so those are some things we're doing which will be reaching outward, but I also love the fact that we are going to be doing some things that uh, are going to minister our souls. We're doing something a little new this year with uh, serving. Called Blue Christmas. And for those of you that don't know what a Blue Christmas is, it's a service that we're holding the Wednesday before Christmas, and it's going to be a service for those of us who find Christmas to be a little hard. Because for et- not everyone feels all joy to the world when the Christmas season comes along. Sometimes it's a very hard season for many of us. Uh, some of you in this room may feel that way, that it can be hard. You've had losses, you've had a rough year, maybe your family time at Christmas is not something you look forward to, and so it's, it's a time which can be very hard on some of us in our own souls. And so this is a soulful service. It's going to be a moment for us to still rejoice in the Christ child, but also acknowledge the fact that we all need comfort that we need help, that um, God is present with us in our in our sorrows as well as in our joys. So it's going to be a quieter service. There'll be carols. There'll be some readings and prayers and so on. So I'm excited about Blue Christmas. I think it's going to be a really wonderful service. And then we're going to continue and out, go on and have our Christmas Eve candlelight service, which is family friendly. Bring your friends. Bring bring relatives. Whatever. Bring the kids. It's going to be a you know beautiful time. Candles. We'll have candles. Even more candles going. And you'll each have your own candle. All of that. And then the third thing we're doing that's a little different this year is we're going to do a New Year's Eve service. Now, I tried to have the service at 11 p.m. at night and to sing in the New Year. Okay, I tried, but saner heads prevailed and said no one's going to be driving home at 12:30 at night from Gate City Vineyard. So we're going to have the service at 7 p.m. And uh, for those of you that need to get home a little earlier and. Um, But we're going to do a sort of a combination, watch night, covenant renewal service. We're calling it Remember and Renew, and it's going to be a time to remember the past, but also to renew our our faith, renew our commitment to Jesus as we go forward. So I'm excited about all of these uh, events just as ways for us to gather, to care for each other, to be there with each other. Invite your friends and relatives and neighbors to any of these services. We will we will always have an eye to someone who's new, who's visiting, um, and it just might be the thing that helps them to see Jesus a little bit more in this service. Amen? So I'm excited about that. Let's just say a a short prayer as we enter into our Advent season. Lord, we thank you for your Advent. It means that we are waiting for you, that we are waiting for your coming, that we are looking ahead to your coming. We know, of course, you already came, but God, we, we use this season to remind ourselves of what an incredible fact it is that you came. How incredible it is, Lord, that you are, are, came as a baby in a manger in a such humble way, and yet you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we just, I just pray our hearts would be expanded, Lord, during the season. I pray that our souls would be ministered to. Pray for anyone that is a hard s- season for us. I just pray for comfort right now and for, for a, a sense of your presence so close to them. And, Lord, I just thank you for all the people that are putting together Christmas plays and bake sales and all of that. Lord, I just pray that there would be joy. There would be joy in it as we do it for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting our series, our Advent series, taking a break from John. And we're going to go into this verse, which you read, heard a bit of, nine uh, Isaiah 9, from Isaiah 9. Uh, and it's a wonderful um Verse, I'm calling this series, For Unto Us is Born a King, because it's really about the kingship of Christ. Let's read Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, I always thought when I was a little girl that I should have been born a queen. My name's Elizabeth after all, Queen Elizabeth, so I would go around as a little girl, make paper, hat, paper crowns and they would say Queen Elizabeth and I would go around bossing everybody around. I thought that was great. I liked bossing people around, I liked getting my way, I liked dressing up in fancy clothes, so I was meant to be queen, really. <laughs> Except that I wasn't meant to be queen. I was not born into the right family. I was born into a very ordinary family. We lived in a very ordinary house. There was not one smack of royal blood in me, so I was not queen. It was just not in my destiny. It was not who I was meant to be. But interestingly, if you look just across the pond at, you know, Prince Charles, well now King King Charles, um, Prince William, little Prince, uh, what's his name, George, you know, they are destined to be king from the moment they are born. They are born into that family. It's part of their uh, heritage. It may take a while. Poor Charles waited <laughs> until he was 74, and now he's finally king, but there it is. He's king, and William will be in. So will George, unless something major changes over there. And so it's always been that way in family in countries with a royal family, and certainly it has been over through the ages. Why am I bringing this up? Because this is the context of the verse in Isaiah nine, that this is a type of uh, this is a um, culture in the ancient world in which there were kings, and kings were born, and when they were babies, they were already born a king. It was not a strange thing to have a baby and say, that's the king. For us, it's a little odd, right? We think of babies as not having much power, or not having anything really to go for them. But, but this was very true in that day. And so when we look at this, this scripture uh, that we're going to be studying, what we can see is that there's many things about kings in the ancient world that are, are put into this verse that we might not catch in our current context. The first is this idea that from the moment they were born, they were destined to be king. There's no question about it. If they were in that family, if they had that lineage, that blood running through their veins, they were going to be kings. It was your royal birthright. And the second thing that's not necessarily true of modern royalty, but but it would have been true of kings in this ancient time, is that the government fully rested on their shoulders. They were in charge. There's no prime minister, no sharing of power. No, the king is the king. And what he says goes. Now, if he's a wise king, he'll have good advisors, right? And he'll, he'll you know, have people around him. But, but the fact of the matter is the buck stops here. He has complete authority. He rules and he reigns. And the last thing we see in ancient times, not so true today, the king would establish throne names for himself, When he would take on the throne, he would have names that would represent the character of that king, who he was already and who he meant to be as king, and those throne reigns would come on. And I hope you can see that all of this is in that verse in Isaiah that we read. All of this about this king. Uh, and I love the fact that last week, release gave this great sermon ending the first half of John, and it just so happened, we didn't really plan it this way, it just so happened that the whole f- focus of that sermon and of that end of John, as we've been building up through John, right, that God, Jesus is God, the Son of God, and we built up through all that whole thing, watching all the signs that Jesus did, and then it culminated in this chapter, which is all about Jesus is the King, We had Mary, you know, anointing his feet with oil. That's what you do for a king. Um, We had him riding on a donkey into Jerusalem and people waving palm branches. That's the entry of a king. And so here we had that setup for what we're talking about today, which is an advent as we're coming into Christmas and everything's about a cute little baby in a little manger, but he is king. He's king. And this verse is going to show us that. And I pray that as we are walking through these next four weeks of Advent, that we will be reminded again and again that Jesus is king. And to ask ourselves a question, is he king of my life? It's a good question to ask in the midst of a very busy time when we're running around like crazy people, decorating and setting up trees and buying presents and going to parties and all this stuff, is Jesus king in all of that? Because if we can keep in mind how he is Lord over everything and he's sovereign in our own lives, we will enter in the Advent season in a different way, won't we? We're going to have a, a sense of awe, a sense of wonder, a sense of reverence. I remember becoming a Christian and, and my first, you know, t- coming out after being baptized and it was the Christmas season. Like It just suddenly dawned on me that all this stuff, this fancy lights and all that stuff is for the king, for him. <laughs> So if we can just be thinking that as we see even a gaudy display in front of a store, it's for the king. It's for the king. We wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for the king. So let's, let's keep that in our minds. And as we're going to look at this passage a little bit more today and for the next four weeks, we're going to start with the very beginning of it. And it says, unto us a son is born. And I know um, that uh, one of the things we know is that it was very clear that Jesus' genealogy was a kingly line. Uh, we see in the beginning of Matthew, there's a whole genealogy of Jesus, and it talks about that he was descended from King David. And so it's interesting that King David, of course, is the one of whom many prophecies were made, that the, that the world was going to be blessed through his offspring, that he was going, the Messiah was going to come from him. I'll just read you one of the many verses about it. This is when the prophet Nathan is speaking this to David. This is, of course, hundreds of years before Jesus' time. It's in 2 Samuel. It says, The Lord declares to you, He's talking to David now, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. So right here, back, way back to David, there's this prophecy of, of the Son of God coming and being the king, descendant from him. This is the prophecy about Jesus. So we see this is, the, this is the lineage that Jesus is coming from, even on earth. Of course, he's got a heavenly lineage, right, as the Son of God. But he's even got an earthly lineage of kings from David. If We keep going on. The government will be upon his shoulders. Multiple places in scripture we see Jesus is established as the one who will rule and who will reign. Who will be established as ruler of all things. So many wonderful passages about it. One of my favorite ones is from Daniel. Um, It's a prophecy that Daniel, again, a few hundred years before uh, the time of Jesus, he gets a vision. It's a vision of who's going to be the ruler of all, and it's this beautiful, it's actually kind of a heavenly picture of the coronation of Jesus as king. All right, so have that in your mind as I'm, I'm reading this, Daniel seven thirteen and 14. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence like a like a like a procession. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That's the king. That's this little baby. That's who Jesus is. The government is on his shoulders. Not the US government. Mexican government, South African government, the French government, the, the, the universe government, the government of all creation that he created is on his shoulders, and it will always be. And it doesn't matter, by the way, who's in our government. I mean, yes, it can ha- make some difference to our day-to-day life, and we can have an opinion about that, and we vote for who we want to vote for, but guess what? Whoever is on the throne here on this earth is still way below the th- one who's on the throne in heaven. Amen? And he rules all things. And we can live and be happy and and be prosperous and thrive if Jesus is on the throne. This is a really good word to remember, people, as we're heading into a two-year sprint to the next presidential election. Okay? Could get messy, all right? We're not going to let it get messy because our king is on the throne already. Okay? Amen. Amen. And finally, in this passage, we see that Jesus is given throne names, this idea that there's names that are given to this king, of who is he going to be? What kind of a king is he? And of course, these, these wonderful four names, which we're going to be talking about one each week as we go along here. One is Wonderful Counselor, the one who walks with us and counsels and guides us. One is Mighty God, the one with who has all power and might, who has victory over all sin and the grave and death. He, has, he is exalted over all things, Mighty God. We have the everlasting Father, the one who enfolds us in his arms like a father. And from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. And then the Prince of Peace, the one who brings a lasting peace, without whom we will be anxious and never settled. We're, we're restless till so we find our peace in him. So this is the kind of king we serve. Can I get a hallelujah? Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. This is who we serve. This is this babe in the manger is this king. What's also fascinating about this, and I, I just have to mention this, is that it's kind of interesting that all these names, the throne names, are associated with different members of the Trinity. Did you notice that? If I said to you, who would you think of as the counselor in the Trinity, you'd say the Holy Spirit. And if I said to you, who do you think is everlasting father, you'd say the Father. Uh, and if I said, who do you think is the Prince of Peace, you'd say Jesus right but here all of these names are being used of the son who is being born right here tucked away in Isaiah we have this shadow of the Trinity that Jesus is God yes he's the son but he is God and God is one he's three and one and it's all here in this in this verse and I think that's fascinating in fact one of the um, one of the the uh, commentaries I looked at said there's some evidence that these four names are actually meant to be one long name like a run-on name so it's actually like wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace (laughs) that's his name his name shall be called that this is how big our god is this is how mysterious our god is because our brains can barely absorb that but this is who he is and so hallelujah let's make Jesus king this advent season and let's think about that now. As we're just going to take my last few minutes here, I'm going to talk for us to us about the wonderful counselor. This is first name that he gives us. And he's a wonderful counselor to us. We heard these great verses read by uh, the Kloss family. Thank you so much for that. And um, these, one, I'm going to just look at these verses one at a time. I want us to see the different um, passages about the counselor, the counseling quality of God, that God gives us counsel, and I think it's fascinating. So the first one is that our wonderful counselor is a steady guide. The first verse that um, Israel read for us is this, Psalm 73, 23 to 24. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counseling. And afterward, you will take me to glory. And so, I love that this idea of a counselor is someone who guides us. They're the ones that know what they're talking about. Um, you know, if you have a good lawyer, if you have a lawyer, they're called your counsel, right? Because they know what they're talking about when it comes to the law. They know it way better than you, because you probably know very little, like me. Um, and so, you hope that you have good counsel when you're taken to court, right? Because you need that. But here's an interesting thing about this word counselor. For me, it always has had this image of, like, I don't know, a general standing amongst all these, like, maps, you know, and deciding where people will go and then saying, okay, now do it, right? Sort of a strategic counselor, strategic planner, right? I I always think of that. But something interesting, as I looked up this word... I, I have this very interesting commentary, it's a Jewish, um, it's a Hebrew Bible commentary that's written by Jewish scholars, they not Christian scholars, or Jewish scholars, so they kind of, from their perspective, how they would look at this passage, and what's really bizarre is that they translate this idea of wonderful counselor as a planning grace, that there's an idea in this Hebrew word of that, there's, that this, this counselor is a planner, uh, and I was like, I don't get it. Like, what's a planning grace? And it, they point ahead to Isaiah 25, another verse about God. And it says, oh, Lord, you are my God. I will extol you. I will praise your name for you planned graciousness of old counsels of steadfast faithfulness. So this idea that our God who counsels us is a planner. And I just thought, I think all of us admins in the room can say amen to that. God likes to plan. He's not just saying, you know, George, just here's here's the Holy Spirit, here's your life, go do it. Talk to me when you're done and you'll come up to heaven. No, he is involved in all of the details of your life. He cares about every detail of our life. He is a planner and he's planning, I love the word, graciousness for you. He's planning graciousness for your life. I just love that. So he is there in all the details. And how many of us can come can testify to that? That he takes care of details even that don't need to be taken care of. That maybe we didn't know that we needed. Um, and he just takes care of them. He's listening not just to the big things, the big questions you have, but also the little ones. I have a funny story about this. You, you guys may lose a little respect for me in this story. I don't know. Um, but... but it's, it's about my Thanksgiving, so I, some of you may know I'm on this gluten-free diet thing, which I really hate. Um, it's, it's maybe temporary, I don't know, but it's for my health, and um, I hate it because I'm really a sweets person. So if somebody shows up with a platter, of cookies, or cakes, like I want every one of them, and um, so it's really a bummer. It's been hard, but I'm getting used to it in my day-to-day life, but I started to get really bummed out about it with Thanksgiving coming. Because I was like, okay, first of all, I need bread stuffing. And second of all, I need rolls. We always have biscuits, you know, that hot with the butter and the jelly. Like, I just, I just need that for Thanksgiving. And so I was looking. And by the time I kind of was aware of what I needed, I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, all the stores were sold out. The gluten-free aisles were all sold out of the bread. And I couldn't get anything online to come in time and everything. And so I was really bumming out. Uh, and so, I know I shouldn't be so focused on food, but I'm sorry, that's really just who I am. Anyway, um, so it's like two days before Thanksgiving, I had to get a couple more things, I stopped at a different Harris Teeter than usual, I went to the one in Friendly Center, boy that's a big Harris Teeter, anyway, and so I went in there, and, and, and as I was going in, I just tossed up a very hopeless prayer, like God, could you bring me bread, <laughs> Like just, just bread <laughs> that I can eat, and I walked in there, and first of all, there was a huge kiosk of gluten-free bread. And so I went over, and they had the nice, squishy bread that'll make really good stuffing, you know? So I grabbed that. And then I was like, God, I don't suppose there's going to be rolls. (laughs) (laughs) And I turned around and looked around the back of the kiosk, and they had this. I got a picture of it for you. Canyon Bakehouse gluten-free sweet rolls, brioche style. (laughs) Like, like angels were, were singing in the aisle. And I'm not embarrassed to say, well, I'm a little embarrassed to say, I, 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 like a tear sprung to my eye. And it wasn't even so much about the bread rolls. It was just like, God, really? Like, I can live without rolls. It just, but God just gave this little gift to, to little Beth on Thanksgiving Day, and I was just overwhelmed by our, the goodness of our God. He's so sweet. He's so kind. He didn't have to do that. Um, and you know what? Does he always do that? Does he always come through with the little detail you need? No, not always. Um, he doesn't have to. Sometimes we're meant to be patient through the, the details not working out right, and sometimes we're, here, we're learning different things for that. But the fact of the matter is that our God, you can take that down. You get The fact of the matter, although now I'm getting hungry, so look at it. The fact of the matter is our God is good. Our God is kind. He is good counsel. And he cares about all the details of your life and my life. And I thank God for that. I thank him for that. So the second thing I want to say about the wonderful counselor is that he's a consistent presence. If we look at the second passage that was read during the the lighting today, it was Psalm 16, 7 and 8. And it says this, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Oh, I love that verse. You should put that verse on like a piece of paper and put it (laughs) next to your, whatever, wherever you're ever stressed, at work or whatever, I will not be, with God at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You will not be shaken. He's right beside us no matter what's going on. If you're worried, if you're stressed, if you're upset, he is right there. He is right there. We're doing the Alpha course at our house right now. We're almost done with it. Alpha's been a great experience for those of you that haven't done it. Next time we offer it, definitely sign up for it. It is uh, a set of videos that show you about kind of our Christian faith, um, what it's about, why we believe what we believe, and it's a wonderful opportunity to bring all your questions, things that you're not sure about, that you wouldn't, you don't like to voice. You know, we that's a, it's a safe place to bring up all our questions and doubts about God. And in one of the videos, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And how uh, the Holy Spirit is a guide, right? He's, he's a counselor to us. And they told this story about a man who was on a plane, and it was just him and the pilot on the plane, and the pilot died of heart attack suddenly. So now suddenly this passenger, who didn't know how to fly, had to go to the controls and start to fly the plane. So he's freaking out. He gets on the phone or on the uh, radio, and the guy says to him, I'm, uh, there's a pilot actually not too far from him. He says, I'm right here. And so there's a picture actually here where the guy says to you, I can see you, says to him. He's right there. The plane is just right next to his plane. And he says, I can see you. And so thousands of miles up in the air, he starts talking this guy through through landing the plane. Where's the throttle? How do you, you know, decelerate? All this kind of stuff. And step by step, he's doing it. He's teaching him. He's saying, just listen to what I'm saying. And I'm going to take you step by step through this terrifying experience where he doesn't know what in the world he's doing and if he's going to crash. But just, he knows he's got this guy right there. I can see you. I can see you. And um, by the time they get through to they start to come down and everything, and he's starting to panic a little bit because he's not sure how he's going to land. He says, look to the right-hand side. You can see me. Just relax. Just relax. You can see me. Just relax. And so the pilot was with him the whole time, and he managed to land that plane and glide to safety. And this story, for some reason, was very touching to me. Of course, I know that God is with us all the time. But there's something about this idea that he's right there, and you can see him, and he can see you. He sees exactly what you're going through. He's right here. He never leaves. And it's something that we can just say to ourselves, relax, relax. It's going to be okay. We had our garbage disposal back up over Thanksgiving. That's not a good thing (laughs) because we couldn't wash any dishes. So it was just like black murky water, dirty dishes for a day. Just relax. (laughs) God is right here. God is right here. I'm trying to remember this as we go through situations like that. I wonder for you this morning if you need to remember that God is just right there with you. And you can just relax. Just take a deep breath. He sees you. Whether it's job troubles or family troubles or kid problems or... Whatever's going on, he sees. He sees you and he's right there with you. He's not going anywhere. Which leads us to the last one, which is that our wonderful counselor is a relentless love. And I just love this last verse we're going to look at today. Psalm 32, eight says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. How great is that? What a tender thing to say, my loving eye is on you. Not just my eyes are on you, which would make you feel a little bit like, oh my gosh, he's watching me. No, my loving eye is on you. I see you, I'm watching you, but it's with love. It's with care. It's not with judging and anger. It's with love. He's looking at you right now with love. And I love um, the, the, this passage, we're going to just expand just for a minute, this, this um, Psalm 32, because if you go a little before Psalm, the verse 8 and a little after, it's kind of interesting what's in there in this whole passage. So right before verse 8, it says this, um, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, so this is talking to the Lord, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. So I just think this is so interesting that first it starts with an acknowledgement of sin. And, you know, here's the thing about a wonderful counselor. We need a counselor because we get things wrong sometimes. Does anybody resonate with that? I mean, if you knew everything and did the right thing all the time, you'd probably never need a counselor. And so, we need a wonderful counselor because sometimes we mess it up. And so, to come to God and say, I, I messed this up, or I just really don't know what I'm doing, and I really need your help, that that's that humble place where then he can counsel us. Does that make sense? Like, we, it doesn't make sense to say, I got it all together, so I had to counsel me. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. So, so we, first of all, there's this acknowledgement of, of the, our need for a counselor that comes before we receive it, and then there's this whole series of comforting words in that verse, right? It says, you're my hiding place, you'll protect me and deliver me, you surround me with songs of deliverance. This is what your God does for you. See, he surrounds you, he protects you, his loving eye is on you, it just never stops. And so that's when we get to that, that verse 8, where it says, that his loving eye is on you. Be humble, come to him, tell him what you need, how you may have messed up, but realize that he's going to be right there with you. He's never leaving you. His loving eye is on you. It's interesting what unconditional love that is. It's really unconditional love. It's, It's no matter what, his loving eye is on you. And it reminds me of a concept in psychology which is called unconditional positive regard. And this idea behind unconditional positive regard is if you go to a therapist, and they've been trained in this, which I think most... It doesn't matter what crazy thing you say, right? What weird way you look at the world, what thing you think is happening that's not happening, if you're in reality or not in reality, whatever you say, that counselor still regards you with care and respect. It's an unconditional positive regard. They don't have to agree with everything you're saying, but they are just looking at you with a positive regard, and what's interesting about that is when they do that, somehow then you are able to come to healing. Because there's power in that kind of unconditional love that just allows you to be who you are, and suddenly you begin to see reality again, and you start to see see truth. And so it's so fascinating to me that, um, you know, this is how it works. I had a counselor just like this. My, my dear Jan uh, used to be a therapist I went to for a time, and she was kind of like a mother figure to me, a lot older than I was Um but without all the complexity of a, of a real mother, you understand. Uh, and so, so, you know, really just a great, she was so great, and she was also just meant to listen to me. So that was also nice. But the point is that she, she no matter what I said, no matter what crazy thing I was struggling about, or if it made sense, if it was biblical or not biblical, whatever, she just would just love me and just care for me. And somehow in that presence of that kind of love, I healed. And I got to see things better and differently. And when she would say something, I could hear, I could hear even hear her counsel better because of that love see this this is what your wonderful counselor does for you and for me he looks on you with unconditional positive regard he he's not judging you he's saying i love you i love you i love you and and if if together you will listen to my counsel i will help you get out of some of these problems that you're having but i love you no matter what there's nothing you can do to make god love you any less nothing And so I have to just follow this with the rest of this passage in Psalm 32, which is just so good I have to share it. Psalm 32, 9 to 10, it says there, so this is after he just said that, my loving eye is on you, okay? And then he says this, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts on him. I love this. This makes me laugh. It's like, okay, my loving eye is on you, so stop acting so stubborn. (laughs) Supping a mule. Maybe a few of you can relate to that. Because if we're stubborn, if we continue to want to do our own way and won't listen to the good counsel of God, then many woes will come on us. We have a wonderful counselor who is giving us wisdom and will counsel us with his loving eye on us no matter what. So let's stop being stubborn. Let's not be like the mule. Let's listen. Let's allow his love to speak to us. I want to end with this last thought. The wonderful counselor is Jesus. We've been talking about that. This is the, the passage that's about the Messiah, and we see it in the Isaiah 9 passage. But jo- Jesus himself also said this in John 14. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See, he's telling his disciples here in John that he's got to go to the Father. He's going to leave this earth and he's going to send his Holy Spirit. The way we get the counsel of God is by the Holy Spirit in us. That's how we get the counsel of God. That's how the wonderful counselor comes to us and talks to us. It's through the Holy Spirit. And I got great news for you today. You've got the Holy Spirit. (laughs) If you know Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit. He has come to live within you. We just prayed, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. But he doesn't even have to fill the place. He's already in you. The therapist is already inside you. You've got a good therapist right inside you right now. He's ready to talk to you. He's ready to listen to you, and he's ready to hear you. He's got his loving eye on you. So I want us to just take a moment. I'm going to invite the band to come back on up. And I'd like us to take a moment to speak to our wonderful counselor. Because I suspect some of us need counsel right this moment. Maybe we need counsel in our just day-to-day life. Things aren't going so well. They're stressful or hard. Maybe we need some counsel in our jobs. We need some direction. We're not sure which way to go. Some of us may need some counsel in our marriages, that they are struggling. We just... We need you, wonderful counselor. Maybe we need some counsel as we get into the Christmas season and we're, we're already tired of it. We're already stressed about it. Jesus, you are our counselor and our guide. And you're right here. I can see you says to you today, I can see you. What is he seeing right now in your life? Thank you, God, that you're seeing that. Thank you, God, that you are seeing that thing I'm struggling with. So let's take this time to just spend a few moments of quiet. The music can go ahead and start quietly. I invite the prayer teams to come on up. Be ready if you'd like to come up and get prayer. If you want to even just come and kneel at the altar, maybe you say, "I want to just come to my counselor today. I want to let him counsel me." Encourage you to come on up. Praise you. Sorry for being stubborn, Lord, sometimes, like a mule. Just lay down that stubbornness.